the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live, hour two of our Friday program. Great to be with you. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. 888-528-2557 is the number. It's open phone Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about on Fridays. You can pick the subject, 888-528-2557. And call with anything that's on your mind. Bible question. You got a question about life, politics, the news, something else that you want to talk about. Uh, today's the day. Today's the day for you, 888-528-2557. Lots of things going on, of course, in the news. President Biden's in town. Did he tie up freeways the way that uh, President Obama used to always get criticized for tying up the freeways because he would come and just drive through downtown at 5 o'clock or something with a motorcade and and uh, all of that. Back when I was working in some politics, I got to drive in a motorcade. It was fantastic. And because they just move everybody out of the way for you. You can drive 70 miles an hour during traffic. It doesn't matter. You just you just drive really fast. And I got to go to a, a Secret Service training. You know, what do you do in case somebody attacks the president during the drive? And it was two hours long. I had to sit in this room for two hours and get all this instruction on on what to do in case all these things happen. It was very exciting. And um, it boils down to uh, listen to the guy sitting next to you with the Uzi on his lap which I thought would have would have shortened the amount of time for uh, that conversation uh, because, yeah, I'll probably do what the Secret Service guy with the Uzi on his lap tells me to do. Actually, the instructions were pretty good. They're like, you just keep driving. You follow the car in front of you. Don't don't create a you know a mess out there. Anyway, the president uh, is in town. Maybe we'll talk about a couple of his comments about inflation and uh, and debt. The president says that uh, people have more savings and less debt than before. Is that true? I couldn't find that. I found the opposite out there. Uh, there, he must be quoting it from somewhere, though, but I have not been able to find it. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. It is Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557. So we'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. And we'll go to the phones. Uh, Cheryl. Do I have your name right? Is it Cheryl? Cheryl. Cheryl. Where are you calling from, Cheryl? Inglewood, California. All right, Inglewood. What's on your mind today, Cheryl? Yes, um, you had mentioned if anyone had heard part of what President or all of you said concerning um, inflation while he was in Long Beach. Yeah. Um, I was at work, so I can only catch part of it. But I'm an independent. I don't have any allegiance to any party. I vote for whoever I think is the best candidate at yeah. that particular election. So if it was another person in power, I know that it's not just Putin's fault. I believe that inflation is a complex issue. Matter of fact, my understanding is inflation started before um, Biden was actually in office. And then, of mm-hmm. course, with the combination of different things going on, yeah. that also contributes to inflation. So I wouldn't have an issue with criticizing or calling people out no matter who they are, because I don't have any allegiance to a personality or a political party. Right. But That's I did bit- want to um, add something quickly. You had asked if there was anybody who has more savings and less debt. And I guess I'm one of the anomalies because I have more savings and I actually have no debt at all. So good for you. That's that. 
Hey, good for you on the no debt, especially. And uh, I talk about debt a lot because I used to have a lot of debt and it was really stupid and it almost killed me getting out of it. Uh, mostly killed me to have it. So good for you. And you have more savings. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you have more savings because uh, you've just been able to put more money aside or do you have more savings because you got the uh, government payouts through COVID and you were able to just toss those in the bank? No, um, it was more so from my job. I got a raise on my job. I mean, the COVID mm. uh, relief that we got with the stimulus, that did help. Yeah. But it was mainly my job gave me a raise. <clears throat> I'm a teacher. I'm an educator. So I had some extra duties that were given to me unexpectedly, and that caused me to have a raise. And I guess one of the things that I do consistently is I've always been a, try to be a good steward of what God has given me, mm. and that also has contribute to me also keeping debt, you know, zero, because I know that that's a lot easier for me in general. And of course, yep. it brings glory to God when we are faithful with what he gives us. Yes. Good for you. Good for you. I'm really glad for you. Okay. Great call. Thank you very much, Sherelle. Glad that uh, uh, you are uh, you are in that situation. That's really good. And you know, I know that many of us listening, the majority of us listening, are going to have uh, debt. Some of you, you owe Visa and MasterCard your life. Uh, and I've been there before. I'm not there now, I'm proud to say. Um, I'm not proud to say that I was there before, though. I mean, when I went to college, you know, they uh, were just tossing out credit cards, right? And you get a free T-shirt and you get a free water bottle. And uh, that was really cool. And uh, I had a, a credit card. I was so excited about having this card. I had a picture of my school on it and all this stuff. And I took somebody out. and I thought it was really impressive. And I don't think I finished paying for that uh, date for about 20 years. Um, it'll, bear, it'll bear down on you. But if you're, if you're hearing that and you're in tremendous debt today, have faith. You can do it. You can get out. You've got to sacrifice and you've got to do things right. You've got to get some help. But you can get out of it. And uh, I hope that you can. Maybe we'll talk about that. 888-528-2557 is the number. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. Chris from Westminster, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello? Chris. Hey, Chris, how are you today? Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, this is Chris. Uh, I called the other day uh, about the guns and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. How are you doing, Chris? Just more of a... Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for taking my call. Just kind of more of a comment, not to persuade you, but maybe to twist your arm just a little bit or even some other people <laughs> out there. Um, when it comes to guns, uh, I was before 2016, I was not very opinionated on guns one way or the other. I probably wasn't mm. as maybe hard stance as I am now. Um, but after going through the process of trying to get a gun um, and then trying to get my CCW license, which I did get. Um, it did change my perspective on guns and freedom and, um, like, just being able to, to, to have that right. And so I say uh, all this just to say that going through the process has opened my mind to um, being more protective and just being able to carry a gun on you. So uh, I just want to encourage people, because I've talked to a lot of people online that may not view guns the same way I do, um, but I do think mm -hmm. it's it might change people's minds if they actually go through the process of owning a gun and seeing all the things that it takes to be responsible and even to, uh, uh, to get the license to carry it on you. So uh, I find it a yeah, little Let bit, me ask you um, this, Chris. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go let, ahead, me, go ahead. let me ask you this. So in, in all of that process and your experience, and then with all this conversation that's happening about should there be different laws and different restrictions, um, 
are there things that you think are, are as a responsible gun owner, good restrictions that you think might work to keep guns out of the hands of people who would use them for bad purposes? Uh, or is, is there anything like that? Or do you think that's just all not good? Like what, where do you come down on that? Are there, as somebody who has your, your carry permit, you support guns, you want people to have guns. It sounds like, uh, and you've gone through the process. Is there part of the process that's good or does the process itself worry you? To be honest, after doing it all, I find it a little bit um, un, unconstitutional in the sense that they are, the government is telling us who, who's good and who's bad. I know there's good and bad people, but to be able to tell someone, hey, you're unfit to carry a gun, I, I just feel like that's almost saying, uh, well, you're unfit to have this free speech in a sense. I know that may sound awkward, but uh, people are allowed to say what they want. I think the punishment should be on the individual who does it, who does the crime, not the individuals who are being law-abiding. So uh, going through the process, I guess I should say, like, it's very just, I just find it unconstitutional. And again, I was not this opinionated before, but to know all this mm. stuff, who has the guns, I find it just a stretch of the government's arm uh, on who can have a gun. So, yes, of course, I do believe there should be some maybe restrictions, but they shouldn't be as strict as they are now, that's for sure. So you would support things like uh waiting period, five days or 15 days uh, for people? And I, I don't know. Like I have to really to... think about it. When I, when I read some of the laws yeah. in other states, um, they seem to be a lot more free from California. And if I may add just one more second before uh, I go, um, I, I really appreciate your stance and your position. You have really opened my mind um, just to seeing the other side. I know you said that you, uh, I think you said you given up being a pastor or something for the radio ministry. Do you uh, have any kind of um, mentorship or any, any way I can get a hold of you to talk outside uh, of the radio? Well, you can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And you're welcome to do that. You know, I consider this ministry, so uh, I'm not a lead pastor anymore as of a few weeks ago. And the opportunity for the show and other things that we can do together as a radio audience, um, what I'm looking forward to is some ways to bring the church together. That's what God has put on my heart even as a pastor, um, that I think the church needs to do stuff together. I think we need to get past putting our label on stuff. Does that make sense? We need to get past... um, my church, you know, there's there's competition you know, in churches. We don't say it, but there is. Uh, and I think the, the culture is in a place where we've got to get past that. That's part of the radio thing. Um, uh, let's see. All right, Chris, let's, you asked me something else there right before the uh, pastor comment. You said, um, uh, well, I forgot what you said. You still with me, Chris? Or you go. I, I, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm still I, here. I, I enjoy talking to you online. I know I also call a lot, and so I don't want to take other people's uh, you know, lines and spot. But if I, if I keep calling, I hope that's okay, then I'll just do that. But I just really appreciate, man, you've really been able to allow me to have a voice. And at the same time, you've been able to give some wisdom that maybe I didn't even see or, or even another view that yeah. I didn't see. So I just really appreciate well, thank it, man. You, Chris. I, like I said, I know right. don't always agree, but I, I love the conversation. So thank you. Appreciate that, Chris, uh, very much. Thanks for being a listener to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. You can join our conversation, 888-528-2557. It's Open Line Friday. 
We'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, 888-528-2557. I, of course, have some things that I'll talk about uh, in the meantime, but you can change the subject. Uh, I have a friend who went to a gun show, and he was getting into guns and uh, maybe had a similar experience to you, Chris. He was pretty enthused about um, owning a gun and stuff, except he said something very interesting to me. He said, you know, I went to this gun show. And I learned two things. He said, I learned that I definitely really ought to have a gun that we definitely should be able to uh, fulfill our Second Amendment rights. He said, I learned that. He said, I also learned that there are some people who should not have a gun. (laughs) And he described some of the people he met at the gun show. And you're like, I don't know. Uh, So it's an interesting thing when you have a, a right that is spelled out, when you have a historical reason for all of that. Uh, And you do have most people who are responsible um, with that. And, um, so then we, we need to really ask some questions about how do we not have the continuation of gun violence? And, and I don't blame the gun, um, at the, at the heart of it, the gun makes it easier. I think two thirds of gun deaths in the United States, whenever you hear that, that study, it's suicide, actually. Uh, not all, not every country lists suicide as gun death, even the, even if it's a gun, they usually, uh, separate that into another category, but in our country, we don't. Um, and there's things to say about that. Anyway, good call, Chris. Thanks for, for listening. 888-528-2557. President Biden was in town, and uh, he had a couple of things to say that uh, about the economy. Uh, go ahead and play clip uh, number five. Today's inflation report confirmed what Americans already know. Putin's price hike is hitting America hard. Gas prices at the pump. Energy and food prices account for half of the monthly price increases since May. Inflation outside of energy and food, what the economists call core inflation, moderated the last two months. Not enough, but it moderated. It's come down. And we need it to come down much more quickly. My administration can continue everything we can to lower the prices to the American people, and the Congress has to act, and they have been of late. Uh, consumer price index rose 8.6% in May from a year ago. And that's the highest increase since December of 1981. Uh, it's been a long time. You heard the president talk about core inflation, excluding food and energy rose 6%. Both were much higher than expected. You know, he's doing the best he can to, uh, find a way to spin it. I don't think anybody's buying the Putin thing. It's not completely wrong that Putin's invasion has created additional problems. That's not completely wrong. I don't understand. Maybe there's a reason. And I think, I guess if I thought about it a little further, there might be more of a reason why a lot of the spending that I think, and a lot of economists think, not every economist, a lot of economists think though, a lot of the spending uh, that we did because of COVID and because of what we've really done over the past uh, 10 or 15 years is what is, uh, especially since the Great Recession, right? We started pumping money into the economy and money we don't really have. And then COVID happened, and we put trillions more into the economy, which you know, some people would say, well, we put it in your pocket, and you went and spent it. But it's money that doesn't you didn't earn. It's money the government invented. They printed it effectively. And there are lots of economists who think that in itself creates inflation. I do wonder why he doesn't point out that uh, a lot of that spending happened before he was the president. Um, and maybe there's a, maybe there's a, maybe by doing that, then he admits that the government spending too much money causes inflation. There's, there must be a reason. Like if you're going to blame your predecessor for something, wouldn't you 
you can you can demonstrate that during 2020 a lot more money was spent in debt than ever before now the reason for that is covid spending and the the money that we all got in our bank accounts and the money that businesses got the ppp loan and other things uh, and that's the danger of debt, by the way. We were talking about that earlier. The danger of debt isn't just that you have a lot of debt in the wake. The danger is is that when things come up where you need to spend money and you're already in debt and because of an emergency or something happens, you have to get into more debt, that's where the debt just wipes you out. And that's what I think as a nation we're in, we're dealing with because we, most people would argue we needed to spend that money during the COVID to keep uh, businesses around. Uh, 888-528-2557 is the number. He made another comment about uh, savings and debt. Go play uh, clip six. Millions of Americans are moving up to better jobs and better pay. And since I took office, families are carrying less debt on average in America. They have more savings than they've had. And that's that's a question maybe I'm asking uh, for you guys. We had uh, a great caller at the beginning of the hour who, in her case, she has no debt. And she has been able to increase her savings, and she's in a great position. That's really great. Is that the common experience right now? Some people have said, well, maybe that statement he's making is true because people, some people were able to just bank the payouts that we got from the government uh, during the COVID. But I'm not finding that statistic anywhere. And I have been searching for it and searching for it. I found the opposite of that statistic. Uh, everywhere. I'm wondering where the president got it. I'll try to find it. And, uh, you know, if you know where the president's getting that number, uh, I'd like to know. Maybe that's what your experience is. Are you, do you have more savings and less debt today than you did at the beginning of, uh, say, the COVID crisis? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. Maybe some people uh, just were able to sit on the money. Uh, maybe they were getting, you know, a lot of unemployment spending also. You know, there was a lot of people maybe a lot of you who made more money because of unemployment than you were making in your job. Lots of people, lots of companies had a hard time rehiring people when they could reopen because they were making more on the unemployment, uh, which seems like the wrong idea, you know, for, for all of that. 888-528-2557 is the number. Market Watch, and this is from yesterday. Market Watch says this about savings and debt. Uh, Americans are saving less than they used to. The average savings account balance still might be higher than you'd guess, though. And it is higher. Here's what they say to me. I can't believe this is true. Northwestern Mutual's 2022 Planning and Progress Study, okay, Northwestern Mutual, big, big company, revealed that the average amount of personal savings, not including investments, was $62,086 in 2022, down from $73,100 in 2021. So that's where I'm wondering where the president's getting his number, where their their study, anyway, one study, says it's down by quite a bit. Uh, it does shock me, though. Do Is the average person have $62,000 in savings, not including their investments, like their retirement or whatever? Uh, I don't think so. I think that must be, it must be an average of, you know, people who have millions of dollars and a lot of savings um, rate bringing that number up, right, from the rest of us who have $12 in our savings account. 888-528-2557 is the number. Oh, we had some calls and uh, don't see on there. I will get back to it. Um, do you find the president's comments to be right? And uh, are you feeling that? <clears throat> Americans, according to Market Watch, yesterday, Americans are saving less than they used to. The average savings account balance. Oh, I just read that. Uh, Americans... <laughs> 
uh, Americans do have a lower savings rate, and that's true. You're, if you have a savings account, a couple of years ago, you know, you were making like 1% on your savings account, maybe 2%. I had one that was 2%, uh, which is terrible historically, but I'll take the 2%. In fact, I was putting them in uh, whatever savings I had in um, uh, securities. You can just do that right online now. You can invest them in treasuries. It's basically government, if you're not familiar with that. It's T-bills and ways you can have little short-term investments in the government. It was paying out pretty well. Uh, now you might actually owe the government money if you invest in the government. It's pretty bad. And the savings account, I think my savings account, the same one, it's like earning 0.03%, which is nothing. It probably costs me more in electricity to go online and look up what my account says than I'm actually making. I'm actually making in that account. However, this article says that nearly one in five Americans didn't save any money in 2021, according to recent data from the latest Magnify Money Savings Index. And 18% of respondents admittedly contributed $0 to their savings last year, and another 48% contributed fewer than $5,000. Bank Rates July 2021 Emergency Savings Survey revealed that a quarter of Americans have no emergency fund at all, and just one in six households report having more savings now prior to the pandemic. So where's the president getting that number? I'm, I've been looking, and everything I've read so far basically refers to uh, similar studies. How are you doing? 888-528-2557. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about on Fridays. That's the way we do, so we'll change the subject. Otherwise, I'd like to know, how are you doing? Is, is it true for you that you've got more savings and more debt, or are you struggling in those areas? 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, open phone Friday. Anything you want to talk about, we will talk about that. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Los Angeles Times reported today that 28 people were arrested and 112 catalytic converters were seized as a part of their operation in the Inland Empire. And uh, maybe I should go out there and figure out if one of them's mine because I had one of them stolen out of my car right in front of my house. I don't know when it happened. It happened during the shutdown at some point. I had a car that I needed to sell, and then I just didn't get to it during all that. And then when I got to the point where I'm going to sell it, I go to turn it on, and I turn the key, and, uh, of course, it doesn't start because I was negligent in getting out there to start it up. So then I got to go get a battery. And uh, I got the battery, got it in there, and uh, then I started it up, and it sounded like some kind of Harley-Davidson motorcycle, and the exhaust is coming out the bottom, and it was terrible. I had no idea what happened, and finally, uh, I had somebody, ended up giving it away, and they said, well, your catalytic converter's gone. And uh, right in front of my house, they uh, they stole that. It's something that's happening all the time, so maybe one of mine, there's a picture in the LA Times of a whole bunch of them sitting in the back of somebody's uh, pickup truck. And uh, maybe one of them's mine. I guess now you're supposed to put your name on it. You can go and have your 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 VIN number etched onto it. You can even put your name on it. You can put thou shalt not steal or something in there. Maybe that'll help. Uh, anyway, I hope that hasn't happened to you, but I'm glad they're catching these these people. 888-528-2557 is the number. Pastor Joe in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Pastor. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Where are you, Pastor? I'm a pastor at a, a church in uh, South Central L.A. All right. So I have two comments. Uh, 
and, and I just don't understand. The first comment is relative to school safety. Yeah. Why, why it's so difficult? Why can't they just put the, uh, the, uh, the walkthrough uh, body alarms or whatever they call them? Yeah, the, the metal uh, detectors? Around the schools. Yes, like they have at airports, and if you go yeah. into a, a, a government or city building, they have those. Right. Why is it so difficult for them to figure that out? If you had those at every entrance, at least you would stop, you know, from someone just blatantly walking in. They'd have to break through a window or a door or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand why no one has figured that out yet. It seems really elementary to me. Yeah, you know what? I'm with you on that. It, we do that everywhere else now. We do it at ball games. We do it at the airport. We do it at, you're right, other yeah. government facilities, right? You have that. Yeah. You can't walk into the county administration yeah. building without emptying your pockets and putting your bag through the thing. Absolutely. I, I yeah. don't understand that. Seems like no one has even thought of that. And I thought about it when they had the first shooting. Yep. I mean, not the first, but one of the a shooting, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. the, um, the, the, the uh, whatever you call them, the, uh, put those things in the entrances. Guy just walked right through the front door and started shooting. Come on, put that up. That's yep. seemed like to me that would be uh, first thought for yeah, some of there's, the, there's something the going on that, that makes it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, that's not even, you know, some people want to arm teachers and do some and hire a bunch of cops to be at the schools. I think that's harder, but the, the metal detector seems like an obvious thing that we're already doing. And so maybe people just don't feel like it or it's budgetary. There's got to be some kind of politics with it somewhere. But I think you're right about that, Pastor. Right. Okay, so that's my first one. The other one is all, is in reference to uh, gun control uh, in general. Yeah. So everyone is, you know, the people who are lobbying against, you know, don't want to, you know, put much effort into uh gun control laws or things like that, they seem to not understand that the government or the system is not trying to take away their guns, the, you know, the honest people who have them honestly and use them correctly. The, the, the idea is not to take away their guns or to stop them from using them in the ways that they have been using them safely and soundly. It's to stop uh, people who are not going to use them correctly safely so so why why would they be against that it seems like they think that someone is going to take their guns no one is trying to take their guns i mean i I think they feel like somebody is yeah i think they feel like somebody is trying to take their guns ultimately um and some people are some people have said that you know uh who's the guy who's running for governor in uh texas uh beto uh you know he kind of went out and said that at least about some weapons um, but I, you know, I feel like, you know, pastor, do you feel like there are some things that we should be able to do that would really help from a, a gun law standpoint with, that would not threaten law abiding gun owners? Well, well, certainly there are, um, I mean, you know, uh, stiffer background checks, mm. you know, and, and, and maybe not allow a, uh, Eighteen-year-old kid yeah. to uh, just go and buy an assault rifle. That's and I've heard it said from someone else, and perhaps on your show, allow uh, eighteen-year-old kid to go and buy uh, a rifle that's meant to to kill uh, animals. I mean, shoot down big animals or uh, 
150 shots or whatever the case may be. Why would an 18-year-old child need that? And yet he can't. He's not responsible to drive a car. I don't think he can buy liquor. I mean, there's right. so many other restrictions on his life that that's to keep him in control of himself and and from harming others. Well, why should he be able to go and purchase, you know, a, a, a deadly weapon like that? Yeah. So seems that like there should be some just some laws right there would probably help a lot. Yeah. In your ministry, Pastor, do you deal with uh, gun violence and uh, maybe people on both sides of these issues? How do you how do you deal with it as a pastor? Does it come up? Well, you know, we have not had any issues at all with it. Uh, in my church, there's violence all around the neighborhood. I'm in South Central, and uh, there's violence, yeah. killings up down the street, around the corner, often. But it just isn't something that that we have uh, tackled uh, gun gun violence or gun. I mean, no more than going to help when someone has been shot. We'll go and pray at the uh, area yeah. and reach out to the family with condolences and and whatever else we can do. But other than we haven't uh, uh, issued into that, uh, the gun control situation. Yeah. Well, it's a big deal in our town. I'm really glad that you're a pastor, uh, Pastor Joe. Uh, thank you for calling us and uh, giving us your insight. I think, you know, the thing with the age thing, that's something that maybe they would do. I guess you can't own a handgun until you're 21, but you can own an AR-15 at 18. There's an inconsistency there. There just is, right? You either have to lower the other age to 18, or you got to bring this one up to 21. Um, there's an inconsistency in the, the thought, right? That we, we won't let you have a beer legally until you're 21. There's, we won't let you rent a car, I think, unless you're 25. You know, so we have some sense of, of, adult responsibility that doesn't settle in until you're at least, you know, at different ages, right? 18, 21, 25. Uh, you can't run for Congress till you're 25. There's different rules like that. Um, it seems to me that we should be able to find something to do that doesn't threaten the Second Amendment, the constitutional right uh, to bear arms. Uh, but it's a hard question, and it's one that people fight uh, very, very diligently. Uh, good call, Pastor. I hope that you're doing well. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Peter in Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live. Yeah, Scott, I just want to say one thing about this gun issue. Listen, guns in themselves don't kill. Have you ever heard of a gun something uh, on the side of a case and asking its owner to uh, to let it out so it can go and kill someone? No. <laughs> It is a deranged individual behind the instrument mm. that does it. Okay? Yeah. Most people yep. know their limits and know their rights and deal with that. But certain people do not do that. Why? Because the heart is desperately wicked and evil above anything you can imagine or think, says God in the Bible. Okay? And to control that individual, what do you need? Prayer. The society needs prayer. I was waiting for Pastor to come up with this, but he didn't. If every individual, every Christian who calls themselves by the name of Jesus Christ gets on his knees daily and prays for the covering of society in prayer, I bet you it will change. Not only that, in schools, prayers have been taken out. 
You bring prayers back into school, Scott, and you will have less violence. That's all I need to say. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your call, Peter. Appreciate it. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you can't, you know, from a standpoint of, uh, you know, the science of it, say that taking prayer out of schools led to all of this, but you can look at the date of when we took prayers out of schools and got out of schools, essentially, and everything has gotten worse since then. And I think Peter makes the right point. Here's my, my question would be is, does the church really believe what Peter just said, that we should pray? Do we, do we believe in prayer? Uh, or is prayer only something so we can pray for each other to stop feeling sick and to get a new job and to get into the school and to, you know, I think maybe pastorally, let me say this, I agree that prayer is missing and that prayer would matter, but not just people praying for the the sake of praying, but really praying, like getting into it with the Lord and with other people and in our churches and in our towns and praying, getting on our knees and crying out to God, not just for our own needs. But this is something we need to do. We need to pray for our town. Uh, we need to pray for, you know, the the violence that is in our streets, the gun violence that we have everywhere, the other violence. We can argue about gun control or come up with different laws or different things, different ideas. Fine. Maybe we can pray for wisdom about that. We should be praying for that. But Peter's right. It's in the heart of mankind um, that people have been doing evil and murdering each other. um, And it's a condition of our heart. And we've got to pray. And we've got to believe in prayer. I heard somebody say one time, and I wish I could tell you who it was, but we often say that we want to pray for revival. But this person said, prayer is the revival that if we really were praying it's it's movements of prayer that have always preceded big movements of revival see and the prayer itself is the revival the revival's already started because christians pray can i invite you to pray let me just pray right now since we're talking about it then we're going to go to break and we'll take your calls again God, I'm praying to you right now. We ask for wisdom with all the issues that we're dealing with, whether it's guns or it's debt or it's the economy, it's the war, it's the hearings, it's all this trouble. God, I pray that our country would turn its face to you, that we would get on our knees and we would pray and we would repent, and that we would, starting right here in our city, that we'd repent, that there would be a revival beginning with Christians getting on their knees and praying about these issues very seriously with each other and being motivated to love people in the name of Christ, to speak boldly in the name of Christ, to care in the name of Christ. God, we pray for our city. We pray that all of these things that are so troubling would drive us to our knees and drive us to you. We know that this can happen. We know that revival is possible. Uh, And we pray for that, Lord. We ask that the revival would begin in our own hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Open line Friday. You can call about anything you'd like to talk about. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I'll come back for your calls in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow with you. Open phone Friday, 888-528-2557. You can call about anything that you would like to call about. We have a few minutes left in our program today. We started this hour talking about debt and inflation and savings. The president has been in town 
and uh, trying to paint a rosy picture about it. But I think we're feeling a lot of hurt. Uh, I don't mean the president's hurt us, but I think that, um, you know, when when the inflation is the way it is, even as wages go up, the wages are still going down because you if inflation is eight point six percent, core inflation is about six percent. Let's say you got a three percent raise last year. Well, now you what you really got is a three percent inflation rate. You're making three percent less money if I'm doing the math right. It is something that uh, affects all of us. And uh, you can send me an email also if you can't get to your phone. The number, the email address is SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Uh, Maria writes in to SoCalLive at KKLA.com, and she says, I'm hurting so, I'm so hurting financially right now. I'm not able to save anymore because everything is so expensive. She's right about that. I went to a, a taco shop, as I, I do a lot less often now, and I went in there. It was in Stanton area here in, uh, I don't know if that's, I think it's probably L.A. County, Orange County, somewhere right there on the line, Knott's Berry Farm area. And uh, I went in there, and the prices were going up so fast that they couldn't change the board where they have the prices for all the food. Instead, they had uh, pieces of paper taped up there for the prices. And I asked the guy there who's the manager, I said, do you raise those prices so often that you just have to put new um, pieces of paper up there. He goes every day, every single day I get out pieces of paper and he started talking to me at length about it. Like people do. And he says, every single day I have to raise those prices every single day. That's where things are. He, and he started talking about the, the price of ketchup packs, packets, the price of every tiny little thing that you would have to go into to running that business. Uh, Maria continues and she's says she's taking care of her grandma that her mom passed away from COVID She's taking care of her grandma in in-home service and uh, has to drive from Ontario to Whittier five times a week to do that. And uh, she's really struggling. Maria, thanks for writing, and I'm sorry that you're struggling. Uh, she says her credit debt is going up just to pay for food and that she doesn't qualify for CalFresh because uh, they say well, they make too much gross income. And, uh, you know, I the thing is about inflation and the, the prices that are increasing, right, is that for some people – it's an annoyance and you make some adjustments. You know, I'm not going to get a burrito at that place probably for a long time. Uh, just because it used to be $6 and now the same thing's $14, right? Not going to do it. Uh, and it affects people in, in different ways. A congresswoman was ridiculed last week for bragging about how she just flies by all the gas stations because she's got an electric car and everybody ought to have an electric car and you don't care what the gas price is. Uh, most of us cannot afford an electric car. Isn't that, that's just the oddest thing, really, to ask us all to go get electric cars that are only, what, minimum $55,000? I think it's more than that, really. Um, see, and wherever you are, though, for, for most people, the prices now are affecting how we live. For her, she doesn't qualify for some benefits because she makes too much, but the gas prices have gone up so high that that doesn't really make any sense anymore, and it's affecting her, and she's Maria's going into debt. Uh, because of it. I think that a bunch of us are in that situation or our debts are getting worse. That's inflation. It hurts. Um, and the, the gas prices, things like that hurt a lot. Our state needs to let up on the, the gas prices and the taxes. I like to say that, that energy taxes are a tax on the poor. We like to say, uh, let's tax the rich. Fine. Let's go tax the rich. They've got the money. Um, but when we raise energy taxes, when we, put those taxes on your phone bill and on your, your electric bill and your gas bill, and it's a lot on your gas. 
Everybody pays that. And if you don't drive a car, you're probably taking the bus or some kind of uh, transit, and it's costing you money. And we've had callers who've said they don't think they're going to be able to keep their job because of the gas prices being what they are. One person, she was working for a company that uh, she drives a company car, and she was saying that her company may eliminate her job just because of the gas prices and just make other people drive a little bit more. See, it it matters. Every one of these things affects affects us in uh, significant ways. 888-528-2557. Lenny from Lakewood, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome, Lenny. Hello, are you there? Yes, go ahead, Lenny. What's on your mind? Okay, um, just going to control. I've been listening to a few people calling in, including the pastor. Uh, up until 10 years ago, I was gun neutral. I grew up in California. And after getting educated and trained in, in, in firearms, I'm very pro-Second Amendment. And I understand why we have the Second Amendment. It came out of the founding fathers um, wanting us to bear arms to protect ourselves against all enemies, foreign and domestic, domestic being our neighbor. A foreign is uh, foreign, you know, invasion, mm-hmm. but also against the government if the government goes the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, right now, people that don't own guns think they're very dangerous. They're no more dangerous than a car. You need to be trained how to drive a car, use it properly. Same thing goes with a gun. But no gun on its own sitting anywhere. I could take all my guns and put them on uh, a desk someplace in a public area. None of them are going to get up and harm anybody. Right. Would you say going to have to come along? Yeah. Would you say? Okay. Would you say this? You said you got trained and that kind of helped you educationally with uh, guns, and uh, you make the comparison to cars. Would you say that a person should not be able to take possession or use a gun until they've had a certain amount of training? I I agree with that, mm-hmm. but it's it's a it's a slippery slope because depending on what you're going to do, what kind of training you can lay all these things out. And um, it creates, it's problematic. I live in L.A. County. I'm a retired firefighter. I've, I've been a firefighter for 25 years, and I've never gone to shooting, stabbing, or murder of any kind where the police prevented it. Not because um, police don't do their job. It's because it takes seconds, and it's over. They come and take a report. Yeah. If people think that being at home and someone's breaking your house with a gun, they're the police protect them, they won't. You need to protect yourself, and that's where you get get a, a little bit of trading and own a gun and know how to use it properly. All okay. right. Yep. Um, Charles, I need to go to the next call, cause, or Lenny, I'm sorry, to the next call because we're running out of time here, but I do appreciate your call. And, uh, you know, it's one of those, Lenny uh, is one of a few callers today talking about training and other things. It's, you know, and he's right. You could The government could say, yes, training, and say, you know, you got to use a gun for 10 years and then we'll let you have a gun. It could be excessive, right? That's what some people are worried about. But should there be some training? Should there be, you know, along with your your license to have a gun, should there be training with it? Uh, Some kind of responsibility training? That's a question that some people are asking. Uh, Charles in Arcadia, welcome to Southern California Live. Yeah, talking about the inflation, this is an inherited inflation. The cause of this inflation, I'm an economist, and I tell you where it's coming from. When, when, when the Trump administration coerced the Fed to reduce the interest rates, the, the prime, the Fed discount rate to below zero percent, which increased the currency circulation, flooded the market, easy credit, almost reckless credit. Which the same thing happened early in the early, you know, at the turn of the, of the century, in the yeah. early 2000s. 
And that's we're paying for it now. Uh, and Mr. Trump always uh, bragging about the stock. But definitely, when you, when you put the, 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 the rate to below zero, <laughs> the stock market is going to skyrocket, you know. Yeah. There's nothing to brag about. Look at every, the regonomics. Reg- every pre- seven, every president talks, brags about the stock market when it goes up. And when it goes down, they say, oh, the stock market's not really an indicator of the economy. Well, I, I don't believe in that. But... Uh, uh, yes, discounting the rate to below zero percent—that's that, that's really very reckless, very yeah. very reckless. When I studied economics, and one of the students, uh, the professor asked question, and the student answered, "Oh, we can increase the rate by a quarter percent." And this, I remember how the the, the the professor reacted. He, he said, "Shush, you don't touch this until that will be the for the last bullet in the gun, the last bullet. You can yeah. do economics." Uh, uh, you know, incentives, all kind of things. Uh, you never touch the rate unless it's really dire, a dire, dire situation. Well, and that's the reason they're raising the rate now. Would you? Is that correct? Because uh, too, they... uh, too, late. too little, too late. It, it's right. It might work. Right. Yeah, it will work. But it's going to. It's going to take years. It's going to. It's going to be painful. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thank you for your call, Charles. I appreciate that very much. And uh, it's good to have an economist uh, chime in on that. The rate. Uh, and this is an area I don't know a lot about, but I know that it started getting reduced uh, during the Great Recession. And he's right. Uh, it got, uh, I think he said, below zero. Um, that's why money was really cheap. Uh, but we do pay for that. You know, somebody's got to pay uh, for these decisions. And the reason the rate's going to go up is that we've got to have that in the system. I understand that from a lot of people. Hey, everybody, great day today. I hope that you have a fantastic weekend. I hope that you've got some good plans. I hope you go to church. And, uh, you know, this is, um, this is an opportunity to go to church, be with other believers, and pray, genuinely pray for our world with all these troubles. Pray for our leaders. Do what Jesus wants you to do. Mostly love one another, the people that God has placed in, in your life, and pray for them. If all these things are, are troubling to you, you know what? God puts you in a place in your life with your family and your friends and your coworkers and your classmates, whoever you spend time with. Pray for those people and ask God to use you in their life, be a disciple maker. And you're going to find that all these other issues, uh, if they're worrying you, they get a lot smaller, and you, I think you'll find a blessing every single day knowing that you are being used by God with a purpose to let people know that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and be the light of Christ. I hope you have a great weekend. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We're here every day from 3 to 5. Go to kkla.com in L.A., KPRZ in San Diego. God bless you. I will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.